man, I want you to make a confession, okay? This comes from Ephesians 2, 19. So, so speak after me. I am no longer a foreigner or stranger. I'm a fellow citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I'm a member of God the Father's family. Now, that was really important what you just said, and I'll show you that in a minute. Now, I want to read John, 1 John 5.15. It says, if we know that He hears us, I'm talking about prayer, if we know that He hears us, whatever, everybody say whatever, whatever. we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. Wow, isn't that, isn't that a tremendous word right there? I mean, come on. And uh, a few years ago, I remember there was this debate going on in the media. Does God hear the prayers of people outside Christianity? Do you, anybody remember that, that, that debate? Does God? I mean, it was pretty much a raging debate uh, going on out there. And the way I look at it, in the church, we have these in-house discussions. Okay, that's an in-house discussion. But when it goes out there in the world, it becomes what I call an outhouse discussion. Y'all know what an outhouse is? If you come from the country, you know what. You see, people in the world don't really understand some of the things that we understand. So when we begin to discuss some of these things out there, it's just the outhouse, man. It shouldn't be discussed like it's being discussed. Uh, but I do know God hears the prayers of sinners. Amen? I mean, come on. We're, yeah, we got saved, didn't we? He heard that prayer. I mean, at least he hears that. But uh, so I think... You know, one of the problems that we have in the, in the church is it, we struggle with, does God hear our prayers? Does God answer our prayers? Does anybody struggle like that like I do sometimes? Like, I got some prayers out there that I'm wondering, is, is anybody listening? Is it, you know, come on. And so, you know, forget them out there in the world. I mean, don't forget them all, but forget that discussion. I mean, what about us? What about our prayers? Well... That's, I wanted to share just a little bit about that, and, and you'll see about the Alton part. Uh, in Matthew 5 through 7, chapters 5 through 7 is, is what they call the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, most people are, are familiar with the Sermon on It's Jesus' longest, in some ways, one of his most profound sermons because it gives like some of the most profound spiritual uh, heart attitudes and spiritual principles are released in 111 verses, I counted them. It's 111 verses long. Some of the most profound things Jesus talks about, in, in one verse he'll say something real profound, in one verse, and then he'll move to something else and say something else profound. But there was one thing he repeatedly spoke in 18 verses out of 111 directly was prayer. Does that tell you something? Let me say that one more time. 111 verses. Blessed are hunger and thirst, for they shall be satisfied. One verse. 18 verses he devoted to talking about prayer out of that. So what Jesus was trying to communicate, and there were some other verses that were indirect, going back to prayer. So what Jesus was trying to do, he was talking about life in the kingdom and how, how, how you and I live the he heaven on earth, how we live the kingdom of God. And he was bringing out the, you know, that, that prayer is like at the center of how we do that. His prayer is at the center of how we live our lives on this earth, prayer has to be like integral to that. All right. Are you good? I, you know, it's sort of hard to get people excited about prayer these days. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get you excited, okay? I, I'm going to get you excited. Psalm 2, uh, 7 through 8. This is really good. Uh, Psalm 2, 7 through 8. 
This is Jesus. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten him. Now, did you get that? I, Jesus started out this thing. I'm going to declare something. I'm going to decree something. You declared something, right? You said, I'm not a foreigner. I'm not a stranger. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a son or a daughter or a child of God the Father. When you said that, there was some power getting released, whether you believed it or not, whether you believed there was power. If that's the truth, there's power. So you see, this thing about decreeing something and declaring something that's real and that's truthful, there's power on it. So Jesus did it. But then he shifts. He says this. This, this is a shift. This is the Father speaking. Ask of me. Everybody say, ask of me. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Okay? So that ask of me is really what God wants us to see. Is It's like th that's, what, that's what the Father's looking for. He's looking for people who will begin to ask Him. And this is why people don't get excited about prayer, because prayer has been given as this ideal of, of God wants to teach you discipline. Okay? By prayer. You're like, the discipline of prayer. I'm sure there's books written on that. Except that is never what the Bible really says prayer is. It doesn't say it's a discipline. It, doesn't, it never says it. It never indicates it's a discipline. And so we've made it into a discipline. Who wants a discipline? Go to the gym if you want discipline. Here's discipline in the Spirit. The fruit of self-control. That's discipline in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will cause you to come in to real discipline in your life. But prayer is meant to ask it's meant to ask of the Father. Ask of me. That's really what God is saying to us. Ask of me. That's why Jesus said, how do you pray? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. James said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God. Ask God. That's what he said. Let him ask. Uh, Paul said in Philippians. Uh, let me just not. I can't really quote that one. <laughs> I can on a better day. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with anxious. What? Let your request be known to God. Let your request. Oh, we make it that into something ridiculous. I was sitting there here yesterday thinking, oh, Lord, please don't let the fire marshal come here. That's, I'm making my request because if they do, I'm probably going to get in a fight with him. I'm probably going to jail because he's going to want to shut us down and I'm not going to let him. <laughs> Just don't let him show up, Lord. That's a prayer. That's a request. <laughs> okay? So what God wants to do, He wants us to bring us into this thing where we believe that God answers our prayers. That we believe that God is looking for us to pray to Him and He's saying, I want to answer your prayers. All right, now, I want to tell you, how many people in this room know about the person named Kenneth Hagin Sr. Anybody know who Kenneth Hagin Sr.? Kenneth Hagin Sr. was the founder, I suppose, of what they call the Word of Faith movement. Now, he's gone. He's with the Lord now. There's another Kenneth Hagin on TV, but that's not, that's the son. Yeah. But the daddy was, I love Kenneth Hagin Sr. If you ever read his book, he was truly a Holy Ghost guy. He was truly a heavenly realm guy. Kenneth Hagin had visitation from angels. Okay, he had, the Lord himself appeared to Kenneth Hagin on, on several occasions. Uh, Kenneth Hagin preached all over Oklahoma, uh, you know, uh, Texas, North Texas. He preached all these little churches. 
he was an awesome man, had a lot of revelation way before his time. People put Kenneth Hagin down, put down a lot of his teachings down, and now the same people are like embracing him. A lot of what he maybe has taught has been taken and, you know, stretched and used in different places. But if you ever really look at what that man, his revelation, you would know it was from the Lord. But here's what happened to Kenneth Hagin was uh, he was born with a deformed heart and blood disease, and some kind of blood disease, incurable blood disease at that time anyway, as far as medical science. And by the time he was 16 years old, he was totally paralyzed. He was paralyzed in bed, couldn't walk, okay? And he began, uh, as a 16-year-old boy, desperate because he knew he was dying, began to look for hope to be healed and, and somehow discovered that in the Bible, God healed people. And he, so he began to study his Bible and began to cross-reference through his Bible the, the topic of healing, okay? And he, he began to have hope in his life that something was going to happen. And he finally found his way to James 5, and I'm going to read 15 through 16. It says, uh, the prayer of faith will save the sick. And when he read that, he just, suddenly he, he was really like, this is it. You know, the prayer of faith, that's, it's going to save me. I'm going to live. And the Lord will raise him up. That really spoke to a 16-year-old laying in a bed. The Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. And so at that moment, Kenneth was really, really cooking. Okay, now, let me stop right there before we tell you the rest of it. I'll tell you what he said. Okay, this is, I'm quoting him. This is what he said. He said, a lack of understanding of righteousness holds more people in bondage than perhaps anything else. Not understanding righteousness almost cost me my life. Almost cost me my life. So there he was, a 16-year-old boy, and he said this later in life. Verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. He was good so far. Then he read this sentence. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And when Kenneth Hagin read that as a 16-year-old boy, he went into despair in his heart because he read the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man. And even though he was born again, saved, he did not have a revelation of righteousness. And immediately the devil began to talk to him and tell him, you will never get healed because you are not, you are a sinner, you, you know, you're a disappointment, you are a letdown to God. Look at all these things you've done. How could God ever heal you? And he agreed with the devil at that moment and got discouraged and set his Bible aside and didn't open it back up for a while. Well, here's, here's a 16-year-old boy laying in bed, can't move, didn't have anything else to do. So one day he decides to pick his Bible back up and open his Bible back up and read again. And he picked it up and he said, well, let me just tell you a couple of other quotes. He, uh, he said, he said, oh, no, I can't pray the prayer of faith and be healed because I'm not a righteous man. Other ones, he, then he said, oh, God, if I could only live longer, I could perhaps become a righteous man someday. That was where his heart was. Maybe if I live long enough and do good enough and do right and live right, then I'll be righteous. Now, that's what he was thinking, okay? So he you know, got discouraged, put his Bible down, and then a few months later decided to pick it up, and he picked it up. And he opened his Bible right back to where he was at. I guess he had a bookmarker in it. Went to the next verse, James 5, 17. Let's read that. Don't you love Kenneth Hagin already? 
Elijah was a man with a like nature of ours. And he prayed earnestly and it, that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. That's a pretty good prayer. Well, he thought, well, the good Lord, you know, Elijah is one of the best examples in the Bible of a righteous man. So he went to studying the life of Elijah. And in the middle of studying the life of Elijah, he realized something about Elijah. He realized Elijah has got his He's got as much messed up as I am. He has messed up many times and failed the Lord. Particularly in this issue with Jezebel, this woman where he got afraid of her and ran away from her and hid in a cave and begged God to take him because he was so afraid. But James is saying something different about Elijah. And it began to dawn on Hagen that God was saying Something different than what he was thinking about righteousness. That because Elijah was the righteous, was considered righteous and God heard his prayers, perhaps he could hear my prayers. And so he began to study righteousness. We always think of Kenneth Hagin as being the great faith teacher. But the truth was, he was a righteousness teacher. That was really the core of his revelation. That was the root of his revelation, was the revelation of righteousness. He began to study righteousness in the Bible. And he found this one scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.21. This is a very powerful scripture. Woo! Are y'all excited about this? Listen to this. For, for he made him, being Christ, him who knew no sin, to be sin for us. Listen. For he made him. I want you all to get this this morning. You know what? Somehow or another, we've got to get something out of our mind this morning. We've got to get the familiarity out of our mind. We, we really do. We've got to get the familiarity out of our mind. See, he didn't have familiarity in his mind. He didn't have all the, all the teachings, you know, and all the information that has been thrown and thrown and thrown at people. When he read this, he had an encounter with the living God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Now, uh, somebody wrote or preached maybe, I read recently, that when God paid for our sins... He way overpaid it. I mean, way overpaid it. Because God came and bled His own blood. Have you ever thought about that, really? I mean, it was God's blood when He hung on that cross. That blood dripping out. When those men beat Him, it, that was God's literal blood. God's blood. Not man's blood. God's blood. And the... Say you were selling your house for $100,000, and this man came to you and said, Oh, I will buy your, your house. Here's a million dollars. Take the million. Yeah, glory. See, that's how God is. He overdoes everything. He overpaid for our sins. Overpaid for There's nothing we can do. Man, we've got to begin to see the value of what he's did, but it doesn't stop there. That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ, in Him. That we might become that. And Hagen read that and said, this is what he said, well, I've become the righteousness of God. There can't be a better righteousness. 
There cannot be a better righteousness anywhere because God's righteousness has to be the best. And I've become that. And it gave him boldness. It gave him boldness in prayer. It gave him boldness to say, Devil, get your hands off of my body right now. And in three months, Kenneth Hagin was totally whole, totally cured of that deformed heart, incurable blood disease, and was walking in three months. It took three months. It was a therapy healing, you know, what an instant miracle healing. And so, you know, here's the Alton Troglin revelation. Pam says she knows. Oh, Alton Troglin. How many people knew Alton Troglin? Raise your hand. Well, you would know that Alton was sort of a troublemaker, right? <laughs> I mean, Alton, I, the world was constant. Alton gave his life to the Lord. We got pictures of Alton. They showed some yesterday of laying back there in the back building with his hands up in the air, crying out, Oh, Jesus, how wonderful, <laughs> you know, had this major encounter with the Lord. But Alton, you know, Alton was the kind of guy who lived his life out here. He didn't live it. In other words, he had issues. He didn't mind expressing those issues. For most of us, we sort of mind them, right? Kind of keep them hidden from everybody else. I got issues, but I don't want everybody to know them. I often didn't give a rip. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is the truth. Uh, Alton was the no-fear guy, right? He wasn't afraid of anybody except for one person. There was one person Alton was scared of. It was, well, he ain't in here, Marlon McGusey. (laughs) I don't know what it was about Marlon, but I watched Alton. Alton be sort of being rambunctious, and you could say something to him. He'd just like, you know, want to get in your face. And Marlon said something, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Marlon had this power over him. But, okay, when Pam called me when Alton had found, when she knew he, had, he was gone, he was with Jesus. So I spoke to her on the phone after that. And, of course, the devil was talking to Pam telling her, telling her lies, telling her that, you know, that he, basically telling, telling Pam that, that Alton was with him being the devil. Now, I didn't, she didn't tell me that, but I just started talking. I said, oh, I, I didn't know. What do you say to a mama? What do you say to a mama that's just lost her child to a tragic accident? What do you say? Lord, what do you say? What do you got to say to her? This is what I heard. That Alton in my arms right now. So that's what I said. I said, Pam, all I know is Alton is in Jesus' arms right this second. That's all I know. And somehow or another, that really did something. It did something. And you know why Alton was in God's arms? Because he understood something. He may not have been able to communicate real well, but he did understand this thing. He understood that being righteous didn't mean you didn't sin. Okay? That's what he understood. He understood righteousness meant that God gave him something. His righteousness. And although there may be issues in his life to work out, you know, it did not disqualify him from heaven because he was dependent on that righteousness that was given to him, not his actions, not his attitudes, not his words, even when in his worst moments. And see, that's the kind of revelation we need when it comes to prayer. 
those of us who are still alive today, is we need the revelation that we're righteous and that we have a like nature like Elijah, meaning we're going to have some issues. But we can press into God, you know, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah, a man with like nature, prayed, and it didn't rain, didn't rain on a nation for a long time. And then he prayed again, and it rained. Now, that's power in prayer. And he had that power in prayer because he didn't pray from a position of trying to be something or get something. He prayed from a, a position. Wow. Did y'all feel that? Good gracious. Better stay away from over there, something there. It's pretty powerful. Woo! Yes, it's good. Really good. Really good. Yeah. It's like staggering. My knees sort of... Yeah. Well, I thought I might fall down like... <laughs> so I think what God wants to do is give us a revelation of righteousness this morning. You want to be a person of faith? You know, if you want to be a person who God answers your prayers, it's having this revelation of righteousness that you can operate from that with great confidence in your prayers. You're not operating from trying to get God to do something. You're operating, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I'm righteousness, and I have the power with God because I'm righteous. And God will hear my prayers. Just like He heard Alton's ultimate prayer. That's the best prayer ever to get answered when you die to go to heaven, right? Are y'all believing this this morning? Lord, give us a revelation of righteousness. Let us know that we're righteous. Let us know that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You've got to start, me and you've got to start believing this. We've got to start believing we're righteous. We've got to start believing because we're righteous when we begin to really be earnest towards something in prayer that God is going to hear that. That's what the Bible teaches us. That was, that was Kenneth Hagin's whole revelation that got him out of, or he would have died. And there would have been no word of faith movement possibly. And you know what? A lot of people put the word of faith movement down. I want to tell you this. I don't know what the statistics are now. Back in the 90s, the statistics on different moves in different denominations in terms of documented, medically documented healings and miracles the Word of Faith movement by far exceeded any other denomination or any other moves. And why was that so? I was asked, why was that so? You know why I was so? Because they prayed for people and they believed for people. They were walking in a revelation of righteousness. It wasn't just the, you know, that name it, claim it thing. Everybody's attached to it. It was this thing. There's a righteousness. And when we pray, God hears our prayers. And when God, and we pray for sick people, God's going to hear our prayers. Now, you are sitting there, and I'm sitting there thinking about all the time God hadn't heard my prayers, right? <laughs> that's what we think about instead of thinking, well, that's what the Word of God says. That's the revelation God wants to give us, to give us this confidence in prayer, to be able to pray and believe that God's going to answer our prayers. So, I'm just wondering about what everybody in this room, if this, if this is sinking in anybody's heart, really. They're waiting. Wait on them. Got it on me, but... All right, we're going to pray. <laughs> yeah. We're going to pray. Thank you, Lord, for Pam Trogan.
Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to share this because honestly, everything he's saying is the truth about Alton's life. Um, and that's the question that I had was because, uh, you know, I was looking with my natural eyes and I just needed to know that he is in heaven with the Lord. The Lord was already, had already told me on the way to the accident that he was with him and immediately he went to be with the Lord and I thought that was a place of rest. I forgot to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But he died on impact, and he immediately went into heaven. And if you didn't come to the funeral, there's so many words God's been given. Scripture, John 10, 27 through 30, my sheep hear my voice, and they listen, and um, that they will have eternal life in him, and that they will not perish, and nothing, nothing can snatch them out of my hand. And I and the Father are one. And then another lady was woken up at 3.23 in the morning. And Becca, I mean, that's his twin sister, and she's very broken, especially when it happened. And um, he, she said the, something nudged her. She got up, and she heard this voice say, get a pen and paper and write this down. And in the pamphlet of the, the, the program yesterday, we wrote it down that um, it was a word from Alton that he was, and it was for Becca, but part of it said that now that he was, um, you know, not to worry about him, that he's passed. Just the way it was worded, you knew it was Alton speaking it, and that he's free to live his life the way that he always wanted to live it. He said to us, that's how, that's what he's doing now. But I want to tell you about the power of prayer. Um, my son was put on house arrest about three months ago for, um, you know, I would never say this, but he has passed now and he was selling marijuana and the money was very good and it w had a really strong hold on his life and he looked at his life the way it was and he thought, you know, he said, you know, I saw it and other, but he thought he struggled with hope sometimes and um, he thought, I'm never going to get another job. You know, he just, and the pull of that stronghold, you know, and people, there were certain ones that were telling him that, you know, you can move from this place, you know, they all know you, and you can go to this other place, and you can start all over again, and you can make that money, and it can be bigger and better. Well, he had a conversation with me in the kitchen, and it was about three weeks ago, three and a half weeks ago, and he said, Mom, it was just me and him at home, and he said, Mom, I've talked to you, and I said, okay, Alton, well, come in here and sit down like I would want it to be, and he said, no, right here's fine, I just need to talk to you, and I just need to let you know um, what's going to happen, and I said, okay, you know, I said, I'm listening, and he said, um, he said, Mom, when I get off house arrest in two weeks, he said, I'll I'm not telling you this to hurt you, he said, but I just want you to know it, and I want you to be prepared so that when it happens, you can't say I didn't tell you, and you can't be mad at me. And he told me about what he was going to do and what his intentions were, and I tried to say, I tried to give him hope. I tried to speak what the Lord had always showed me about his life, and he said, you know, Mom, that's great and everything, but I'm just... You know, I want to see it, but I'm not seeing it. 
and this is what I'm going to do. And he was very strong-willed. And it scared me, and it broke me really much because I know, had Alton, had God not intervened in Alton Troglin's life in an abortion clinic, he would not have been born, him and Becca. And God gave them life, and it was a miracle. And God, the miracle that he is in heaven, that's a, that's a whole big new miracle. But I prayed after that, and I said, Father, I said, you know Alton's heart right now. You know where it is. I said, and you know where he's headed. You know where he's going. Not that maybe it couldn't even have never happened or anything like that. But God, I was saying, God, you know, you know. And please, Lord, please don't let ever let him get so far away from you that he can't find his way home, that he can't get back to you. And I said, please, please never let him miss heaven. And that was my prayer. And the, and I knew the Lord was already ministering to me because I was really seeking him. And all I could hear was the Lord saying, trust me, trust in me. And all the time when I went to scripture, all throughout different places, trust in me, trust in me. And I, a lot, you know, I told you about the vision, Habakkuk. Um, anyway, that's another message. But... <laughs> But I did want to share this with you because it's exactly what Byron preached today. I prayed that prayer, and um, God kept Alton, and he knew where he not, you know, I, he didn't cause that accident, but the Lord told me that day when I was on the way to that accident, he said, Pam, um, he spoke to my heart and said I was with him from the very time that he got on that bike. The Lord was with him, and immediately he went to be with me and then there's been nothing but confirmation and words and powerful visions and i'm believing for that vision like byron said he had with hannah i think to see about out but i just wanted to share that with you and i'm sorry if it took too long but god is faithful and i've been thinking about that over and over again how faithful he is that he does answer prayer, and how powerful that love that he has for me, he's, you know, and you, but the love that he had for Alton's life was so much bigger than what, you know, what I could imagine, what our natural eyes see, but that's his life, and and, and he's in heaven. With that's a great testimony about the power of prayer, isn't it? It's it's that song we were singing. Can we come out there and do that song again? The end. That sweetly broken, holy surrendered. You know, God really wants us to hear that He hears prayers this morning. Okay, Alton was more important to God. Like Pam said, the Lord didn't take Alton. He didn't kill out, and he didn't cause that accident. But the Lord took him and spared him in the sense of he did not let him get so far away from him that he couldn't find his way back home. Now, that's God's love in a mighty way. And so everybody in this room this morning, you have issues in your life, okay, where you need an answer to prayer, okay, and you have something working for you. You're in Christ. You're the righteousness of Christ. You have this thing in you. She was praying, and God was hearing her. Don't make don't let that make you afraid. Make it make it give it boldness that God's going to hear my prayers.
begin to really beseech the Lord for the things that you need. If, you, if it's a healing, then you go after that healing. You go after that healing. If it's just a financial breakthrough, if it's a relational breakthrough, whatever it is in your life, you can stand on that one thing. I am the righteousness of Christ. And the Bible clearly states the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And I'm going to stand on that and I'm going to push through and get my prayers answered. Amen? And that's really what God's calling us into is get your prayers answered. Ask of me, says the Lord. Ask of me. Ask of me. Ask me. Just come and bring your petitions before me because He's a God who hears and a God who listens. Amen? And so, Lord, we ask You for every person in this room that every person would go into a deeper understanding of the righteousness that they are in Christ. That we are the righteousness of Christ in God. And because we're righteous, Lord, You hear our prayers. We don't have to do anything to be righteous. We are righteous based on what Christ did for us. And today we stand on that. And because of that, you are going to hear our prayers. You're going to answer our prayers from heaven, Lord. That's what we're declaring. Lord, just release that in Jesus' name. So let's just stand and do this song if you can. End on that. Happy Mother's Day. To the cross I look. To the cross I cling.